the dreams of thousands of students have been shattered by corruption in the higher education sector. Much of that corruption has been exposed by the organization undoing tax abuse, OTA. With us now is OTA's investigations manager, Rudy Heinecke. Welcome, Rudy. Good morning, Chris, and thank you very much. How many reports on corruption in this sector has OTA issued since 2018, and what was it or who sparked your investigations into corruption in this sector? We received whistleblower reports in 2018 on um, dubious contracts with uh, service providers at Services CETA. Um, we looked into, you know, what was given to us by the whistleblowers, and we decided that we are going to ask uh, Services CETA for the tender documents with a PIA application. Uh, they refused us, uh, you know, access. Uh, we had to go to court. Uh, after almost three years, we got a court order that ordered Services CETA to hand over all the information we were looking for. And only then we could start to really, you know, put all the puzzle pieces together. Um, and then we, we the first, the first uh, investigation report was on a similar uh, tender that was uh, um, advertised by Services CETA, you know, for the direct payment of stipends to students. And um, the people that we identified there in that investigation, um, we followed and we keep track. We keep track of them, and uh, it's not surprising for us that you know some of the same names are appearing now at the direct payment of allowances scheme at NASFAS. But just to go back to that time, I must say, um, you know, I think that you interviewed and uh, a whistleblower some time ago with regards to corruption at services CETA. And I want to say today, you know, wasn't it for those three brave souls, we would not have been speaking today because that sparked the whole investigation in the higher education sector for us. Um, after the first report on Grayson Reed, uh, we looked into some of the companies that were doing print work for, for services CETA. And again, the name of one of the directors of Coinvest, who is now with NASFAS, appeared as a director of one of these uh, printing and branding companies who, who uh, produced branding and printing material, printing services for services CETA at um, highly inflated prices. So, once again, wasn't it for those three brave souls, we would not have been here today. And I think the country owes them a huge thank because of them, these, this corruption throughout the services CETA, uh, NASFAS, and the higher education sector at large, um, you know, has opened up for us. And we know they've made enormous sacrifices and are still battling victimization and persecution. Absolutely. Um, uh, I know I've still got contact with one of those whistleblowers, and, um, you know, it's just it was just hardship for her from the day that she got uh, suspended and eventually fired up until today. And um, that's the, 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 the sorry and the bad part of how the country is treating whistleblowers. You know, these people must be uh, seen as heroes, and this is what they're going through. So that, that it is a very, very sad state of affairs. Rudy, to go to the latest report, please recap for us what it contains. We received two recordings from a whistleblower 
um, late last year uh, of two different meetings uh, that were held uh, with Mr. Ernest Corsa, the chairperson of Prosphorus. Um, it took us a very long time to dissect this, uh, these recordings because uh, there's a lot of background noise. We had to filter out some of the noise just to hear exactly what was said. But we could uh, follow the, the, the trend and we could, you know, uh, subtract a lot of the uh, clearer um, conversations. And that we've compiled in a report that we've also published with our statement last week. Um, but to come back to the meetings, the first recording is a meeting between Mr. Corsa and Mr. Ntumba of Coinvest, uh, together with a third person that we could not identify. Um, where they, uh, you know, talked about the Alta reports, uh, especially the Alta report that unlasted the conduct of the, the, the former CEO. Um, they talked about Mr. Corsa's uh, uh, history at uh, the MEEC way back in 2005 when he was suspended there or fired. Um, and then they talked about internal NASFAS um, matters. Now, it does not really matter, you know, what was the contents of the discussions, but just for a chairperson of uh, an institution like this to meet with service providers is a no-no on its own. You know, it's highly irregular and, and un unethical, you know, to discuss internal matters with uh, a service provider and discussing the specific contract of that service provider. Um Interestingly enough, in the first meeting, uh, Mr. Corsa asked uh, the service provider, Mr. Ntumba, uh, who should they appoint to do the investigation? And then Mr. Ntumba um, suggested that they use Werksmans, and we know that Werksmans was appointed after that. And this meeting took place the day before um, the board of NASFAS announced that they're going to put Mr. Nongogo on leave. The second meeting uh, is a recording of about two and a half hours where for the first part, the first hour and a half, uh, Mr. Ntumba and again an unidentified third, uh, second person uh, discussing a lot of things that happened and how they distrust the chairperson of NASFAS and how they think that the chair wants them out. Um, are they also discussing uh, that's where the first time when they uh, said that you know they they sponsored or they made a donation to the South African Communist Party uh, they discussed meetings that they had with the minister uh, discussed meetings where other board members were also uh, you know in attendance uh, that shows us that not only um, it's not only Mr Corsa but it looks like there's other board members involved as well and then after about an hour and a half, Mr. Corsa joins them and he said to them that, listen, I'm going to give you a briefing up of, you know, what has happened up until now. This meeting took place about a week after all it was set in the uh, recording as well. This meeting took place um, about a week after the appointment of that response. And then Mr. Corsa gave uh, uh, the service provider and the, the second person a a detailed feedback on where they are and what's happening. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that um, the whole time, even before Mr. Corsa, the service providers uh, asked, you know, um, can't this investigation, if the outcome is negative, and if the outcome says that of the Vaxfans investigation, if the outcome 
recommends the termination of the contracts of the service providers, can't they, you know, just move it forward for three or four months so that they can still do some business and collect some some fees on that? And now, uh, in retrospect, we can see that that is exactly what happened. Uh, in the press release of NOSFAS, I think it was yesterday, they said that they are implementing the the uh, uh, recommendations of that month. Uh, but why wait, um, you know, three three months before you decide to do that? Only after there's some pressure uh, and and I think uh, you know we will welcome the uh, the uh, um, the recommendations to be uh, of that month to be uh, implemented. Because um, that is what we were working towards from from the, from day one, the suspension or the termination of Mr. Nongoko's contract, as well as the service providers, as well as uh, the other recommendation that they're not talking about is the uh, disciplinary hearings of of uh, NASFAS employees who were involved in the evaluation of the of the contract. So we welcome the implementation of the Vaxmas. Well, the minister and Dr. Koza have issued denials. What do you make of those denials, Rudy? I think, you know, it, it, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a natural action to deny and say that we've got nothing to do with this because these are serious allegations. Um, and it is not us who are making the allegations. You know, it is people in discussions with Mr. Koza making the allegations of money that changed hands, of... Uh, um, you know, the implementation of, of the contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we, we are just, you know, the messenger. What is, what is really uh, sad is that never, ever in these recordings you hear anything about the service provider and the chair of NASFAS talking about the, uh, uh, the well-being and how they're going to help and sort out the problems to make life easier for students. It's never been on the agenda. It wasn't discussed. And one should think that if you have a meeting between the chair and the service provider for a service that's been uh, um, you know, full of problems, that obviously this would be one of the things that they will discuss. But the discussions is just about uh, themselves, the contracts, uh, how they're going to, to make money, how they're going to exchange money, etc., etc. So, And that is, that is also very um, you know, interesting and scary that they don't even think about the students who are the most important role players in this in this whole saga. How deeply does this implicate the minister? I think over the weekend we have seen a lot of students, uh, organisations uh, coming forward uh, and talking about this report. But all of them are saying this is just you know the last piece of straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, the problems were there for years. Uh, it's not a new thing. Uh, this is just you know another revelation of uh, uh, how things are managed and, and, and how the, the minister is uh, 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 you know, managing the, the Department of Higher Education. Uh, so this is a, a collective call for change, uh, not only from our side, but uh, also from the students, who are the most important uh, uh, people in this, whole, in this whole saga. How did students end the year last year as a result of alleged corruption and mismanagement in the sector, Rudy? NOSFAS uh, said, you know, in a statement uh, very early this year or late last year that there are still 20,000 students who haven't received their their allowances of last year. Now, that is uh, 
unacceptable. We had calls from students over the Christmas period saying, listen, we are still in our residencies. We don't have money to go home for Christmas. And that is the kind of impact that it's got on uh, on the students. And every time when a NASFAS says something on the public uh, platform, you know, they will say, we are this, all, everything that we do is student-centered. And we are looking after our students. They are the beneficiaries of this scheme. Uh, taxpayers are paying billions of rands to, to, to make this scheme work. Uh, and now it's, uh, you know, managed in the style it is. So uh, the impact on the students is, is enormous. Uh, late last year, we also brought out a report on student accommodation that we uh, warned NASFAS and said, listen, because of your processes that you put in place, there will be, uh, in our view, uh, a shortage of, of, of student accommodation in 2024 when the academic year starts. Um, and we can see that now. You know, there's reports from, from the universities of South Africa, the umbrella uh, organization of, for the universities, saying that at least eight universities will not have enough accommodation for their students. And, um, you know, in the NASFAS, just to come back maybe to the latest NASFAS uh, um, media statement where they say that we didn't engage with it, I just want to put on record that, you know, about a year ago, for the first time when we put out a statement about corruption at NASFAS, they threatened us with legal action. We had meetings with their lawyers. They say that we must um, subtract what we said, etc., etc. Um, but we did not. Um, and after, you know, uh, uh, the buyer applications that we've sent them were uh, denied. Uh, last year, we've sent them the accommodation report. And we've got no reaction up until now. So it's not a, a, a thing that we do not want to speak to NASFAS, but you can imagine for yourself if we spoke to them because of, you know, with uh, about these recordings, I think uh, we would have faced an interdict not to make it public. Now, there have been strong reaction and calls on President Soror Ramaphosa to fire the minister. What realistic possibility do you think there is of the president acting? He hasn't acted uh, in response to calls to fire the Minister of Police. Would he act on calls to fire the Minister of Higher Education, do you think? Um, well, that's a debatable question. Um, we, we hope and we trust that he will. Uh, I cannot, you know, decide what the President must do or must not do. Uh, we are in the election year. There's going to be a, regime, uh, a change of administration or a, a regime change uh, later this year. So uh, I think it is quite simple for the minister, uh, for the president to, to appoint a caretaker minister for the remain the remainder of this uh, administration. There is a deputy minister that can take um, over and uh, run the, 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 the department up until the end of the administration. So um, I do not think that it's unrealistic. And I do believe that um, there will be a, a huge uproar from students, uh, especially you know now when the academic year starts. We've seen that already. Um, and that will put more pressure on the president to act because um, you know this is not a, a, a hollow call from the public, but these are real people, real students that are facing real issues. Um, so yes, I, I hope, really hope that the, if the minister um, do not resign, that I think he will not do, uh, that the president will, will, will take up the, the, the matter. 
because the South African Union of Students uh, have threatened radical action if the president doesn't act. Yes, uh, and and that is sad because you know we've seen in the past that uh, action like that uh, result in the damaging of infrastructure and so forth. So our call to the students is that if you want to act, please do not, you know, damage your infrastructure. This thing will will go in a direction uh, between now and you know, let's say a month or two from now. Um, so if you grow. Please, please, please do not, you know, damage the infrastructure. That's the infrastructure, the classrooms, the libraries, the, the residences where you must go and get uh, uh, educated, you know, for not only this year, but people coming after you as well. So that is our call to the students. Some people have reacted by accusing Ota of entering the political arena. And uh, Do you think Ota has become politicized? Not at all. Um we have been apolitical from from day one. Uh, there's a lot of people that you know make these remarks that we are entering the political space. Uh, that's just absolute nonsense. Uh, we do what we do because uh, we can only do that when we are apolitical. You know, if we want to uh, get into that space, we, we we get into the space that we are investigating the whole time. So no, there's no um, way that Alta will become involved in politics. Now, I see uh, the ANC has called on its members to pray for the party to renew itself. Do you think that prayers will cut it without performance and delivery? Well, it is, um, if we look at what happened in the past 30 years under ANC rule, um, I know that ANC people, members and, and, and officials will say otherwise, but we have seen uh, a lot of uh, services that just went down the drain. Uh, so um, I cannot see how it will get better. Uh, nothing is getting better. You know, the, the same promises were made um, last year in, on the 8th of January's uh, celebrations. So to pray for, 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 for change and for service delivery and so on, um, I do support that. But, uh, the you know, the uh, we will see if that turns into positive action. And if it is prolonged positive action and not only just because these elections later this year. Thank you. That was Rudy Heineke of OTA, OTA's investigations manager, speaking to Biz News about corruption in the higher education sector. Uh, I'm Christine. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Christine.